thank you all for being here. And uh, one of the announcements that uh, we didn't make, um, it just uh, for us to con concretely decide with uh, um, Christ Community Church um, and our upcoming in-person worship service that is, um, as of now, scheduled um, on December, I'm mean, December, February 21st, in two weeks, um, I will have a meeting with um, pastor of Christ Community Church this coming Tuesday, tomorrow, uh, day after tomorrow, um, and we will decide on a few other logistical things, and then we will make um, announcement formally to you all, um, but um, this is all uh, work in progress, but Tentatively speaking, we are scheduled to meet at the location for our in-person worship service for um, 21st and 28th. So I would ask you guys to um, just just uh, pray about the whole process. Pray for the process for all things to go well according to God's plan. And uh, um, just adjust your schedule. Uh, we've been online for extensively online for uh, number of months um, and anything that requires change um, requires scheduling requires discipline uh, requires our um, devoted focus um, so I encourage you to look into your schedule even uh, two weeks away uh, for you to just uh, plan ahead for that Sunday morning uh, how long you have to drive how long it takes for you to get yourself ready and all of these things, and look forward to the time of worship. And I, I can't wait to get out of this place to worship with you all. Um, and I say it again, even as a pastor, it's hard for me to be in this room by myself and, and get into the in that heart of worship. There's so many distractions, so many things to uh, just uh, thoughts and other things enter into your mind when you are alone in your room and worshiping versus you are with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, it, it's, it's we are made to worship in that way. Um, so we look forward to that time. Pray for me, for the meeting. Pray for the leadership um, to make wise, discerning decisions along the way. And we look forward to uh, 21st to be our first worship service. So... Uh, looking forward to that. Now, um, text for this morning comes from Joshua once again. Book of Joshua, chapter 1. And we'll be reading the second half of Joshua, beginning in verse 10, all the way to verse 18. Joshua, chapter 1, verses 10 through 18. Here's the word of God. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. 
your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord uh, gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. The land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commitment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we come before your word, your word, and we open our hearts with reverence, with great expectation for God's words to fall unto our hearts, your truth to be declared to us. And may we be encouraged, may we be challenged and corrected and trained by your word. So Lord, we are yours, our ears, our eyes, our hearts are yours right now. May the Holy Spirit um, truly speak to us, inspire us from within, teach us of your things. Keep us from any distraction. And may we just focus on you. And this time, this word belongs to you. May you declare it. May your servant declare it by your grace. And may your people, by your grace, receive it and receive it well. Lead us, Lord. Be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, the last week... We have studied uh, the beginning of the book of Joshua, and we saw how God commissioned his new leader, Joshua, into this great task of leading the people into the promised land. Now, in the opening passage, we saw God commissioning Joshua by uh, first reintroducing himself to him, and God appearing again and reminding Joshua who God really is to him. And God is God who has this perfect plan for him and for his people. God is God who will never change. God is God who will deliver his people. God is God who is faithful and keep his promise. And God reminded Joshua that this is God he serves. That's where he began his commissioning process. And then God reassured his new leaders uh, with a set of promises. God promised Joshua victory, victory over every enemy all the days of his life. And God also promised Joshua his presence. I'll be with you. And he also promised his faithfulness. I will never forsake you. And all Joshua had to do at this point, all Joshua had to do and God wanted him to do is to trust him and hold on to these promises. And finally, during the commissioning process, God gave Joshua commands to keep. Commands to keep. What are these commands? Well, 
He has to know the law. He has to know God's word. And he has to uh, speak God's word. He has to talk about God's word. In other words, in order to do that, he has to know the word. It has to be part of his life, part of his heart, part of his everyday language for God's word to come out as he could talk about it in his conversations. He has to meditate God's word. That means he has to apply the word into his life. And he has to not only think about it, meditate on it, but he has to obey God's word. And if so, if, if Joshua receives the word and knows and talks about and meditate and obey God's word, God promised then Joshua will be prosperous and successful in all of his tasks as God's leader to his people. This is how God called, commissioned Joshua. Now in the second half of the first chapter, we see Joshua right away assuming the command of the nation. We will see him immediately giving instructions to his leaders, to the people, for entering the promised land. And we see direct command in verses 10 and 11 giving it to his officers. Joshua commended, it says, the officers of the people, and he told them to go and pass this message in the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go into, take possession of the land that the Lord God is giving you to possess. This is Joshua. This was Joshua assuming the command immediately after his commissioning. And he spoke to two and a half tribes, Reubenites and Gadites and half tribe Manasseh. And they were to, supposed to have the east side of Jordan, right? And this is the uh, place where Moses gave them to stay. But for the rest of the tribe, ten and a half, uh, for nine and a half, I should say, for them to go into the west side of the Jordan, they had to send their fighting men. This is prearranged. And, and Joshua remind the leaders of these two and a half tribes that you have to send these men, these soldiers, warriors, to go before your men, your brothers and sisters, to help them to receive this promised land. And he commands them to honor the promise. Now this was Joshua immediately commanding, taking command of the nation. And as I was just looking at this process and Joshua assuming the position, meditating on the second half of the first chapter in light of the first, I thought this was pretty remarkable. It's really truly remarkable because just a short while ago, Joshua seemed very afraid. He was very uh, timid, frightened of this idea of leadership, this new position with this new responsibility. Because in the previous passage, God told Joshua at least three different times in verse 6 and 7 and also in 9 to be strong and courageous. God repeated this. Be strong and courageous over and over and over again. And then again in verse 9, 
God says to Joshua, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, do not be terrified, or do not be discouraged. You see, this really shows Joshua's true state of mind. Just a while ago, God would not have said these things to Joshua if this is not really happening in Joshua's mind, in his heart. He was saying, God was saying these things because Joshua was filled with a sense of fear, sense of inadequacy. Then my question is, as you see two different person here, people, my question is, how did Joshua overcome his sense of fear, sense of inadequacy? He was discouraged and he was uh, just feeling very frightened of this idea. Yet right away, how was he able to overcome and assume the command of the nation and begin to work immediately? And I was thinking to myself, where did Joshua get this courage? How was Joshua able to demonstrate his leadership right away, seemingly all of a sudden? Because he was in fear, right? He was afraid. He was terrified. He was discouraged before this new challenge. And I was wondering, it's like, how is this possible? Now, first of all, I believe I can relate to Joshua. I believe all of us can relate to Joshua before, uh, because, uh, you know, when we are faced with all these uh, moments, fearful, frightening moments, we all had our share of them. And oftentimes, these moments came when we were faced with a new position that comes with a new overwhelming responsibility. I still remember for me, you know, when I had to preach for the very first time, I still remember, you know, days leading up to it, hours leading up to it, and minutes before I I went up to preach. It was one of the most nerve-wracking experiences I, I, I ever had. I still remember. It went, you know, as well as it could go. Yet, it still remains to me as one of the most nerve-wracking experiences. I was frightened. I was, I felt inadequate. I also remember how afraid I was getting into uh, my first full-time pastoral position. Fearful of it. I also remember the sense of fear the sense of this uh, new responsibility I, I, I felt I was getting each time I became a father. It was daunting. It, it, it came as pressure on my shoulder as a man, as a husband, as a father. You see, these were the moments, these were the times I realized I needed to be strong and courageous for my family. I needed to be strong and courageous for the people that God has entrusted to me. We all can relate to Joshua. So it's very important for us to know how exactly 
was Joshua able to overcome his fear and assume the command of the nation, assume the position of leadership seemingly immediately? How was he able to do this? Because he was frightened. He was afraid. I believe he was able to bolster his courage through his faithful past. His faithful past. I believe Joshua was able to draw so much strength, so much courage from his past experiences walking with God. Now, let me ask you this. Is the book of Joshua the very first place where you read about Joshua? What do you think? Is the book of Joshua the first place in the Bible where you read about Joshua? Is this a trick question you might think? No, Joshua isn't the first place you read about him. Joshua's story does not actually begin in this book. It actually began in Exodus and it continued on in Numbers and also you can see his story in Deuteronomy. So if we go back and if we uh, just learn his past experience, if we just go and learn what he went through, what Joshua went through, I think we may be able to understand how his past, how his faithful past experiences that he had with God along the way helped him to rise to the occasion for him to overcome his fear. The first appearance of Joshua in the Bible comes from Exodus chapter 17, precisely 17 verses 8 through 16. This is a story of the very first battle that the tribes of Israel had to face after they came out of Egypt. Egypt. This is the first battle uh, for the nation of Israel. The battle was against the Amalekites. And Moses gave Joshua the command of the Jewish troops. And this was the very first time uh, that Joshua would lead the soldiers of Israel to the battle. He was under the command of Moses, but Joshua was in charge of men. He was leading them to the battle. Now, the significant part of this story is about how the battle was actually won. If you go back to Exodus 17, and when you read it, it tells us that while Joshua was leading the armies of the Lord against the Malachites, Moses was up on a hill. Hill that was overlooking the entire battlefield, and he... Uh, uh, Moses was raising his hand as a sign of God's blessing over them. As long as Moses' hands were up, what happened? The Israelites were winning. But when he grew tired and he lowered his hands, the Amalekites would begin to win, begin to defeat Israel. And this became apparent to Aaron and her who were with Moses. So they had Moses set on a large rock while they uh, both Aaron and her both side on both each side of Moses and supported him held up his arms and they did that until sunset and Joshua was able to defeat the Amalekites now 
Can you imagine what Joshua might have learned from that experience? Put yourself in his shoes. What would he learn? What Joshua might have learned through his first, very first command, his very first battle as a leader. Now, when you think about it, you see, God could have given Israel the victory without Moses raising his arms. Is that true? Absolutely. God could have given Israel without Moses raising his arm. But God wanted to show to his people, demonstrate especially to his leaders, that the battle did not belong to them. But it belonged to the Lord. Winning and losing did not belong to them, but it belonged to God. It was not the power of soldiers, it's not the number of soldiers, nor the wisdom of the command, the tactics that he employed. But it was God who gave them the victory. The victory was from God, given to them by God, by His power, by His blessing. And I believe this was what Joshua learned. He has learned that although he would always give his best, all that he had as a commander, as a leader, as a soldier, but he could only succeed to the extent of the Lord's blessing. He would go into battle, lead his men, and faithfully with everything he had, and he would fight, and he would win, or he would lose. And later he will find out after he won the battle, he will learn through Moses what would actually happen, what really did happen. And through this experience, Joshua would learn. It was all about God. It wasn't, it wasn't Joshua. It was about God. It was all about God's power. It was all about God's blessing over him. Winning. Losing, victory or loss was dependent upon the Lord's blessing. The second time we see Joshua is from Mount Sinai. This is where Mo uh, Moses was called by God to receive the law, also known as the Ten Commandments. As we see in Exodus chapter 24, when Moses went up to the mountain, he didn't go alone. Joshua went with him. Moses went up further up uh, to the mountain and Joshua stayed at his post. I mean, he was pretty close to him for 40 days and he would remain at his post until Moses came back. And during those 40 days, Joshua was able to see, yes, from far away, but close enough for Joshua to hear for Joshua to see and experience the God of Israel, especially God's holiness. Now, when they came down from the mountain, after they received the law, Joshua, Moses and Joshua saw the madness. They saw the golden calf. They saw the people worshiping, bowing down before the calf and committing sin. Committing evil against God. Joshua also saw Moses' reaction as well. 
as Moses immediately, when he saw what was happening before his eyes, he immediately smashed the two stone tablet that contained the Ten Commandments. He was hot. He was angry. And I believe this was another great opportunity for Joshua to see and learn the seriousness, the terrible nature of sin, the rebellion against God, and therefore the consequence of sin. And also Joshua learned that there is a place for godly anger. Moses was angry. He broke the tablet, but as you know, God never held him accountable, never scolded him for this. You see, Moses displayed a tremendous statement of godly anger against what was clearly evil in the eyes of God. And as all of these happened, there he was, Joshua, learning and being prepared. Finally, the most famous story of Joshua would be the story of 12 spies. I almost say 12 disciples. Now, the famous story of sending the 12 spies into the promised land, and it comes in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. Now, Moses sent 12 spies to check out the promised land, right? And after they returned, they gave their reports, their own reports. And as far as the land itself was concerned, what was the report? The report of the 12 spies would be unanimous. They, they, they would all agree. And they all said it was a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, the land was good and fertile. And they even carried uh, back a huge cluster of grapes, right? The cluster of grapes was so large, so big that they had to put a pole through it and two men had to carry it back along with many other fruits. However, this is where they would disagree. The rapport would disagree from this point. The 10 of the 12 spies would say that these people, the natives, the people in the promised land, these people are too powerful. They are too strong. They live in, in large fortified cities and their weaponry is far too advanced for us. They said they, they look stronger than we are. They even say compared to them, we look like grasshoppers. Grasshopper syndrome is happening here. We look like a grasshopper. They are men. They look like human beings. I look like a grasshopper. But on the other hand, the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, they would have very different report. They thought very differently from the majority. And they said, yes, they seem very strong. Yes, they seem very powerful. But nevertheless, we should go up and take the possession of the land. For we can certainly do this. Now, how could they be so different? You know, they were looking at the same land. They were looking at the same people. But how were they so different? Church, the difference was caused by whether or not 
they had their eyes fixed on God. The difference was on their belief, their faith in God. Two of them had their eyes fixed on God. Their eyes fixed on God's promises. They were trusting in what they have seen and experienced from God. God who miraculously rescued them out of hands of the Pharaoh. God who split the Red Sea. God who protected them and led them and sustained them, provided everything they need to survive in the desert and fought against the enemies along the way all up to this point. They, they trusted this God they have seen and experienced. However, the rest had forgotten. They had forgotten God. They had forgotten God's promises. They, more importantly, they had forgotten what God has done for them. They could only see with their eyes, not with their faith. This is impossible. Look what they have. Look how strong they are. Brothers and sisters, if we have our eyes fixed on God, if we fix our eyes on His promises in the face of difficult, in the face of overwhelming, daunting circumstances, the task that seems too impossible for us to even attempt, but when we fix our eyes on God, we too can declare in faith as Joshua and Caleb did. If the Lord is pleased with us, if the Lord is with us, He will lead us into the land and He will give it to us. However, if we forget God, if we forget His promises, if we forget that God is alive and He rewards those who seek Him, if we forget His Word and all that God has done in Jesus Christ for us faithfully in our lives, for us to be where we are all by His grace and grace alone, everything will seem overwhelming and impossible even before we try. Unfortunately, the people of Israel decide to follow the majority report. Meaning, as a people, they have decided not to trust God and disregard God's promises. Unfortunately, they have decided to forget all that God has done for them. Leading up to that point, they are just right there at the entrance of the promised land. Folks, I say unfortunate because of this reason. You see, because of their decision to go with the majority report, because they have decided not to even try, they had to wander in the wilderness for next 38 years until this particular unbelieving, unfaithful generation until they pass away. All but two people, all of them except two people, Joshua and Caleb. That was a great experience for Joshua, don't you think? Something that he would learn, 
something that he experienced. What it means for him to stand firm on God and trusting in his promises. Through that experience, Joshua probably learned that the majority is not always right. He probably learned the consequence of disbelief and disobedience. And I promise you, he definitely learned to trust God and obey Him all the more after this. But most importantly, Joshua learned how faithful God truly is through and through. He learned. Church, God can call an ordinary person to do His great work. I believe that. God can accomplish such a great thing with everyday people. I, I really believe that. However, however, I also believe that God uses people who are prepared. I believe God uses people who are trained and ready. God uses people who were and who are faithful in their past work and their present work for His future work. What you see in Joshua is no accident. God trained and prepared Joshua through all these years, through all these past experiences. And Joshua was faithful time after time. Yes, he was afraid. Yes, he was genuinely in fear. And God knew that. He was trembling for his new position, new responsibility. But with these lessons he learned, with these trainings and preparation done, God knew Joshua was ready and well prepared and therefore God called them. When the time came, God called them. God commissioned Joshua because Joshua was ready to once again trust and obey God. It seems remarkable, but when you look at his history, when you look at his past experience, how faithful he was and how he learned and God prepared him for this position, for him to be once again, be ready and prepared to be strong and courageous for the Lord once again, he was ready to do this. He was more than prepared to serve God again. Now this time, not as the second in command, but the first as the leader, as the man of God. He was ready to carry out whatever was asked of him. That we will see in the rest of the book. Brothers and sisters, this is the truth. God may call you to do a great work for him. God may commission you to attempt a great task that it just seems that looks just daunting and impossible and you feel like you are inadequately prepared. You're frightened, you are afraid, and you are in fear. But I tell you, if we are faithful in our present day task, whatever it may be, 
the work that God has entrusted to you, whatever it may be, as we trust and obey and be faithful to God and to the task that He has given to us today, each and every day, then then when we do it, God will work through God will work through you as He did through His servant Joshua and Moses. I believe God will work through you to accomplish great things for His glory. So folks, be be faithful. Be faithful to the task that God has given to you today, whatever that may be. No matter how trivial it may be, be faithful Be ready, be prepared in season and out of season to attempt great things for God. And when you are prepared, when you are ready, your training is over, God raises you up, God calls you, here you are. Here is the task I have for you. And He will give you strength. He will give you courage to do the work that He wants you to carry out. This is no no secret. This is not uh, some sort of a uh, just a miracle that took place in Joshua only because he was called and commissioned. This has been going on. His being, he was being prepared. He was there witnessing all these things. He stood up. And he lived by his faith and declared his faith. And he was rewarded for that. So folks, be faithful to God. For He is faithful and He will surely do it. Amen. He will do it. So each and every day, whatever your test may be, whatever your job description may be, as a Christian, as a son, as a daughter, as a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, whatever you may be, wherever God called you, whatever job description and responsibility you have, and whatever you may feel about your uh, um, the, the responsibility, how well prepared you may feel, give it to God. He gives you strength and courage to do it. Believe in His promise. It is not you who will fight and win the battle. It's not you. It's not our strength. God will win it for you. God will bless you. You just have to go in faith and give it all to God for He will bless your endeavor, your task. That's what He wants you to do. Be faithful because He is faithful and God will surely do it in your life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your reminder. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that that you um, believe that we are worthy to carry out your great, great commission. We thank you for the responsibilities, the position of leadership that you placed in our lives. Whatever task that you have entrusted to us, Lord, it all came from you. And when you give us new tasks, when you give us new responsibilities, Lord God, you also give us strength 
you give us knowledge, wisdom, and courage to take on these tasks, these responsibilities as faithfully as we can. But for us to carry out this command, for us to carry out your task, Lord, we need to rely on you. We need to believe and trust in you, in your promise, in your word. We need to trust in God who faithfully have rescued us, saved us, and shower your grace upon grace. How you blessed us and shower your blessing in our lives in all things that we now possess. Father God, will you help us to remind ourselves as, as Joshua did. Lord God, help us to approach all the tasks that you have given to us. All the responsibility as Christ follower that you have given to us. May we be faithful. As a man and woman, may we be faithful. As a husband and father, as a wife and mother, may we be faithful to all things. As brothers and sisters, may we be faithful. As to you, God, as to the Lord Jesus Christ, as to the Holy Spirit who lives in us and speaks to us, may we be faithful. For you are faithful and you will surely accomplish what you set out to accomplish in our lives, all for your glory. So we hold on to you, we look to you, and we declare in faith, you will surely do it. Let us go and take possession of what God has prepared for us. Father, we pray for your hands, your wisdom, your blessing, your discernment upon uh, for next a few weeks as we transition into and possibly meeting in person at the new place. We pray for your will to be done. We pray that you will be gracious as you have been in the past. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to be faithful. Help us to be strong and courageous. Help us to stand, to do what is truly honorable and pleasing to you. Lord, if it is pleasing to you, if it is your will, Lord, may you grant us what you have planned for us. We are yours, your servants. May the Lord truly accomplish his will in his church. Father, we thank you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.